Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Gospel reading today speaks of joy, the joy of John the Baptist leaping in the womb of his mother at the presence of Jesus. This refers actually and connects to an incident from the Old Testament. I'd like to describe that incident because it sheds some light on what it is that this gospel reading means today. The event that this references, or that it evokes, taking place as it did just months before Jesus' birth, references something that took place in the history of Israel some 800 or 1,000 years before. That story is the transfer of the Ark of the Covenant from its sort of temporary waiting place up to Jerusalem to be finally brought into the city of the king, King David. This story is related in the second book of Samuel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 19. I'd just like to share that with you, but just a first little uh, reminder. The Ark of the Covenant, that was the, the, it was like a box, gilded, sculpted with poles on it to allow it to be carried in procession because the Israelites carried this ark in their wandering in the desert after they escaped from slavery in Egypt. And this ark was containing several important objects. It contained the Ten Commandments inscribed by the finger of God on the tablets of stone that Moses received. It contained a container of the manna that fell on the Israelites in their wandering in the desert. And it contained a piece of Aaron's staff, his staff which in the contest with the the wizards and magicians of Pharaoh had flowered. The stick that he carried had burst into bloom as a sign of the truth of, of the Israelites' God over the God of the Egyptians. So these objects were the ones that were carried and they were, they were the presence of God for the people of Israel. They, they were the, the covenant was God's commitment to the people of Israel, that I've chosen you and I've taken you to myself and I will be faithful to you even if you are unfaithful to me. And it was before that ark that the sacrifices of the Old Testament were made. It was the dwelling place of God on earth, his footstool. So David after building himself a palace, decides it's not right for me to be in a palace while the Ark of the Covenant, while God lives in a tent. So he decided to begin the process of constructing the great temple, one that would only be brought to completion by his son, King Solomon. The temple, of course, is built for the Ark. And so the Ark is moved from its temporary kind of waiting area up to Jerusalem. But certain events take place that I hope you'll start to make some connections as you hear them. I'm just going to read this passage to you from 2 Samuel chapter 6. David assembled all the picked men of Israel, 30,000 in number. Then David and all the people who were with him set out for Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of hosts enthroned above the cherubim. They transported the ark on a new cart, and they took it away from the house of Abinadab. His sons were guiding the cart, 
David and all the house of Israel danced before the Lord with all their might, with singing and with lyres, harps, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. As they reached the threshing floor of Nodon, the son of Abinadab stretched out his hand to the ark of God and steadied it, for the oxen were tipping it. Then the Lord became angry with Uzzah, the son of Abinadab. God struck him on that spot, and he died in God's presence. David became frightened of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? Now that's the first little moment of connection. How can the ark of the Lord come to me? Is that not what we just heard from Elizabeth in the gospel? How is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So David was unwilling to take the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. David left it instead at the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Another interesting connection, because Mary remained in the house of her cousin Elizabeth for three months. When it was reported to King David, when it was reported to him that the Lord had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that he possessed because of the ark of God, David went up to bring the ark from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with joy. As soon as the bearers of the ark of the Lord had advanced six steps, he sacrificed an ox. Then David came dancing before the Lord with abandon, girt with a linen ephod. David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blasts of the horn. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place within the tent which David had pitched for it. And then David sacrificed burnt offerings before the Lord. What are the scriptures telling us today? Mary is the ark of the new covenant. She carries within her not the stone tablets of the law, but the perfect obedience of God's Son. She carries within her not the container of manna, but the bread of life, the body and blood of the Savior to be poured out on the cross and sacrificed and then given as spiritual nourishment to the faithful with an abundance left over. Within her, she carries not the staff of Aaron, but the one who is to shepherd the nations, not by military power, not by political intrigue or cleverness, but by the reign of peace and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant, and John the Baptist is like David dancing before it as it comes up into the holy city. There it will be eventually brought as Mary and Joseph go to the temple and they bring the baby Jesus 
They hand him over and the priest Simeon rejoices. Now at last, my eyes have seen the salvation that God has promised. Now, as Catholics, there's a couple important things to recognize here. First, the Old Testament and the New Testament are deeply and intimately linked. But it would be a mistake to say that this incident of Mary and Elizabeth in the gospel today is just a reference to something that happened in the past. Quite the contrary. It's that event in the past, namely David bringing the ark up to Jerusalem and dancing before it, that is a reference to Jesus, to the future. It's a prophecy. And with the eyes of faith, we're able to interpret and see how God was in fact preparing the people of Israel to receive his promise of the Messiah so that they could understand. It's not that this story of Mary and Elizabeth and John and Jesus is about David and the ark. It's because the David and the ark is about Jesus. We can only understand David in light of Jesus. We can only understand the ark in light of Mary. That's what it means to read and receive the Holy Word of God and the Scriptures through the eyes of faith. As the rule of interpretation says, the meaning of the New Testament, well, that's hidden in the Old. And the meaning of the Old Testament is revealed in the New. So when we recognize the ways in which all of these Old Testament figures have a connection to Christ, refer to Christ, what we're able to do is see through the eyes of faith God's his plan for salvation for the whole world, for all of history. But there isn't one detail in the history of the world that God has brushed aside or neglected, that it's all tied together. And it all hangs upon this one thread, the thread of Jesus, born to Mary in a stable outside of Bethlehem. That's a big picture point that I want us to take away today. But the second thing is a practical invitation for us. This is an important incident in the history of the gospel, the infancy narratives of the birth of Jesus, because the people who are, taking who are participating in these events are all significant in their own way. We've spoken already about how Mary is significant because she is the Ark of the New Covenant. But John is another important figure. John, we know, he was the one to go before Jesus and begin baptizing in preparation for the, for the coming of the, the Messiah. He says to his followers, I'm not the one who God has sent to save the world. He is yet to come, and I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. He began his mission by going out to the River Jordan, baptizing people with a baptism of repentance. That was John's job, a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the paths that the Lord may come. Every mountain will be brought low. Every valley will be filled in to create a level road for the coming of the Messiah. 
So that's an invitation to us. That is an Advent message. Repentance is the way to be prepared to receive Christ. Repentance is the path to joy. John, in his very being, in a sense, is caught up into this message, prepare the way of the Lord. And as he dances in his mother's womb before the presence of the new Ark of the Covenant, he shows us the path to joy. He shows us what it means to be able to be capable of welcoming the Savior when he comes. John is pointing the way to the truest and most joyful celebration of Christmas possible. Repent. This Advent, the church invites us to participate in that public act of repentance that is the sacrament of reconciliation. The church asks this of us, requires this of us, in fact, because the joy of Christmas is so profound and so important, it doesn't want a single one of us to miss out on it. So she brings us to herself, brings us to Christ through repentance so as to prepare to receive him on those holy days, these holy feasts of our Lord's birth. If you've not been able to go to confession, there's one more check, there's one more opportunity tomorrow, St. Patrick Church. Every Advent, we always get together and have a group of priests, bilingual priests, who are available to hear the confessions of the faithful. That will be tomorrow, December 20th at 7 p.m., St. Patrick's Church out at the Legends. One of the things that I find um, most helpful in my own motivation to go to confession is seeing the joy on the faces of the people who come and confess their sins in this, in this great sacrament. These past few weeks, we've been hearing the confessions of the children at school, and it's very clear, it's visible, that there's a, a joy, a great joy, that these children have as they participate in their own way, in the way that's most appropriate to their, to their age, in this, in this mercy, in this chance to begin again in the Lord's service. They always leave the confessional relieved. I know part of that is the dread and the f- nervousness of having to come in and talk to the priest and say your sins. Boy, am I glad that's over. The relief is very real. But there's a deeper relief that once the nervousness passes, I think we can notice. I'm forgiven. I am received at the deepest level of my life by God. And Christ himself is the one to cleanse me, to heal me with his own hands and lift me, put me on my feet again and set me in the right direction. It's Jesus himself who does that. We are hardly ever closer to him when we receive his mercy. The church says, none of us should miss out on that. None of us should miss out on that joy. And so she points the way, as John did. The path of repentance is the path to make straight the coming of our Savior. Take some time this Advent. Make time this Advent to be reconciled to the Lord. Receive his mercy so that 
all of us, like John, will leap for joy at the coming of Christ, our infant King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.